There's a lost soul who's tired of the sinning. You are listening to the Daily Doctrine Devotional. This is a daily podcast designed to teach and preach Bible doctrine each weekday throughout the year. This is Evangelist Tim McVeigh asking you to please let others know about this podcast so that they can subscribe or tune in each weekday. At the end of the podcast, we will provide you with subscription information as well as contact information for our ministry. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. And the saints all with gladness are singing the glorious song of the redeemed, song of the redeemed. Thank you for tuning to the podcast once again today. This is our Wednesday edition of the podcast. Hard to believe we're almost halfway through the week. Uh, but the Lord's been good to us, good to us in the meetings at the church. We're thankful for that. Thankful for yesterday morning and evening service, both. How we appreciate uh, Brother John Aspitz preaching the Word of God. I would ask that if you're able to attend tonight, this will be our last night, Wednesday night. If you're not in church some way, you don't have a home church, maybe you don't have a Wednesday night service, we'd love to have you come, 7 p.m. And as far as I know, Brother John Aspitz will be preaching, and we're looking for great things from the Lord. And look, it's amazing what God can do in these special services. God's used these special services, and I would like to exhort you, if you don't go to special services, you need to find out uh, where there are special services, where the preaching of the Word of God takes place. Not a bunch of rigmarole, not a bunch of fluff, not a four hours of singing and ten minutes of preaching, but where the preaching is made manifest that it's of God. And it's made manifest because it's the Word of God. And they preach the words of God. And so I would exhort you, if you're able to, would you find a place where you can go? And if you need some advice, I know some meetings, there's two this week. I failed to make mention of it earlier, uh, but Brother uh, David Vernon, the Living Waters Baptist Church in Moxville, North Carolina, they're also in meeting this week. Brother Ron Williams is there, been there since Sunday. He'll be there tonight, tomorrow, and Friday. So if you are looking for the things of God, looking for a place to attend, why don't you go see Brother Vernon and the folks at Living Waters Baptist Church that's in Moxville, North Carolina, and to hear Brother Ron Williams preach. What a blessing that would be. I would ask you to pray for a dear friend of ours in Oxford, North Carolina. Brother Donald has passed away. Pray for his dear wife, Donna. Uh, they've been dear friends of mine for probably close to 17 years now, and we certainly appreciate their testimony, appreciate the life that God's given them. And Brother Donald, after three and a half years of uh, dealing with cancer, went to be with the Lord, and how we thank the Lord for him. So would you pray for Sister Donna, pray for the church, Brother Newton, as they uh, also will be, be having the funeral service there, and just that God would have his way. Job chapter 5 today, we're going to continue on with Eliphaz, the Temanite. And the Temanite here speaks in chapter 5 when he says, Call now, if there be any that will answer thee, and to which of the saints wilt thou turn? Again, good challenge to us. Who are you going to turn to in trouble? Who are you going to lean on in trouble? Who's going to come? In? And I've realized, especially when you're in calamity, I had a dear saint of God. He was in his early 80s, a man of God. As a matter of fact, he was one of J. Frank Norris's last graduates up in Michigan and had been a Baptist preacher for over 70 years when he passed away. When he was in his early 80s, he said, I never thought that people would forsake me like they've forsaken me. They've walked away from me. Who are you going to turn to? Who are you going to lean on? When it comes down to that time, I remember a lady uh, that my wife and I last went to see her in the nursing home. She was in her early 90s, and she told my wife and I, she said, everybody I know is dead. There's no one to turn to. I think of my own grandmother, who's 101 years old, and she has two daughters living, but everybody else she knows, she maybe has some second nephews or something like that, um, but almost everybody else she knows is with the Lord. 
And she's outlived them. Who are you going to turn to? In the end of your life, when a calamity comes upon you, runs a lot of people to forsake you. A lot of people will walk away. A lot of people will leave you high and dry. You need to know the Lord. You better know the Lord. It's amazing how many people in nursing homes today, their family won't come see them, and their, their very children, grandchildren won't come see them. Uh, they have no concern over their family member being in the nursing home. And it used to be folks would ask us when we'd be in their ministry frequently, they'd say, can you just sit and talk with me? I'd just like somebody to talk to. And even in the nursing home, Others wouldn't speak to him. Others wouldn't talk to him for a variety of reasons. When that great affliction comes upon you, you'll find out whether or not you have friends. And so which of the saints will you turn? He said, for wrath killeth the foolish man, and envy slayeth the silly one. I have seen the foolish taking root, but suddenly I cursed his habitation. And that's the way it is with a foolish man. He's speaking truth here. I realize he's wrongfully accusing Job, wrongfully making accusations against Job. The Lord told us that. They spoke not the thing of Job concerning that which was right. Uh, but he's making a good statement there when he talks about seeing the foolish taken root. You watch the calamity of their life, the foolishness of their life. And he cursed his habitation. Why? Because when you see the fool and you see him taking root, you realize what's it going to take to uproot that foolishness? What's it going to take to uproot the fool? What's it going to take for him to get out of his foolish ways and his foolish thinking and his foolish? Uh, there is nothing more contemptible in this world than a fool. That's why that rod is for the fool's back. It's going to take a rod to drive that foolishness from him. Yet many fools will not respond to that. The fool said in his heart, there is no God. Not everybody denies God is a fool, but the fool certainly has said that. And the fool lives like there is no God. He lives for self, lives for today, lives for the short term, has no concept of money, no concept of de decency, no concept of humanity, no concept of other people. Why? He's a fool. No concept that his parents need to be honored, no concept that he needs to love those children, not to provoke them to anger, not to provoke them to wrath. But that's what the fool does. Why? Because he's absolutely foolish in his ways. He's taken root. And he said, but suddenly I cursed his habitation. His children are far from safety. And they're crushed in the gate. Neither is there any to deliver them. Why, the fool doesn't sit in the gate. His children have no voice in the gate, that position, that place of authority, that place of speaking, where Job had sat for so many years. His children aren't there. Why? Because he said they're the son of a fool. They're the descendants of a fool. They're far from safety. Why? Because they've been raised by fools. They have no idea how to, how to be safe and how to have God provide for them and God be their protector and God be their shield, their buckler, their high tower. They have no concept of that. Well, they're fools. That's the admonition today that we're really looking at in this passage right here. I'm not going to go into uh, prophecy with this. I'm not really going to look at uh, anything outside of the reality of what uh, Eliphaz here is saying. He goes on, verse 5, whose harvest the hungry eateth up. Why? He's a fool. Even his harvest, somebody else eats it. Why? He doesn't know how to handle it, doesn't know how to deal with it. He probably did it wrongfully, probably did it in, the, in all the wrong manner, in all the wrong ways, and has just thrown it all away. He's a fool. You know, I've watched fools that plant things, and then he just watched them fall to the ground and die and rot. I've seen farmers that have planted fields, and they just rot. They don't even go out and cut them. And now, years ago, I remember out in in the Midwest, almost to the Mississippi River, and I was with a man who had a piece of property. He leased it out to a farmer, and the soybeans were very dry that year. And the man was weighing the fact of whether or not he should actually go ahead and run his harvester and uh, and harvest the soybeans in the field because he said he didn't know how much profit he would make if it was worth running the harvester. And I understand the calamity of that. I understand the, the, the turmoil that man must have been in. Uh, but then when the price of soybeans skyrocketed because everybody else had drought, 
Now the man goes to harvest the soybeans. They've all fallen out of the pod. Why the wind and the dry and the winter has taken them out of the pod. And he came out looking like a fool. And because he was foolish, he didn't consider what he planted. He didn't consider the hand of God. And they didn't consider that, hey, I put this in the ground. I've labored over this. I've toiled. And, and now I need to take this harvest. And that's what the fool does. He's he hungry, eat it up. They take it even out of the thorns. And the robbers swalloweth up their substance because they're fools. You see that in places where fools live. Society of fools. Fools attract fools. Can I say it on that wise? I said that many, many years ago. Foolish men attract foolish men. They congregate. They hang out on street corners. They hang out on porches. They hang out in stores. They hang out at McDonald's. A lot of those older men you see in McDonald's, there's times you hear foolish conversations. How do you know that? Because the first thing when you go into McDonald's, you hear swearing and cursing and mocking of God's name and blasphemy of God. And you realize these men are fools and nobody reproves or rebukes them. And uh, many times they sit there in abject poverty, living by the skin of their teeth and boasting of what they've done and boasting of what they've had and the tragedy of all of that. And Eliphaz is telling us here, this is what fools do. This is what they are. He says they something else takes their substance. Somebody else takes from them. They don't have the ability to, to, to do what others do because of their foolishness, because they are absolutely fools. Yet God what doesn't want them to be a fool? God doesn't want you to be a fool. Uh, God wants to prosper you. It doesn't mean you're going to get rich, but at least the things you do have, God's going to teach you how to maintain those things and take care of those things. And then God can give you the increase as you give. That's a promise of God. That's the way God works. That's always the way God's worked, but not the fool. While the hungry, the harvest, the hungry eateth up and taketh eat out of the thorns and the robbers swalloweth up their substance. You know, the poor you have with you always. And I understand there's many reasons why people are poor. Some have it forced upon them. Uh, some have no hope. Some are raised in poverty and they have no idea how to deal with money or how to make money. I know people that know how to make money. They don't live in, in great riches, but they know how to turn a dime. They have abilities or they have work ethic and they know how to make a dollar. And if things are absolutely that tight, they can go out. not everybody has that ability. Some don't have the physical ability. It doesn't mean they can't have a relationship with the Lord. It doesn't mean that they're a fool. It just means they're poor. Yet, that faithful man believes God, believes God is going to be his provision. That little that he hath, he shares with others. Seen that in third world countries, that very little that people have, they share with others. I know part of the Samoan culture, when I was back in the, in the wrestling business many years ago, uh, some of the men I was with were trained by the Samoans, and the Samoan culture they demands that you take care of each other. And uh, one of those Samoans would make it big, and they would help everybody else that was in need, and they'd help everybody else, and they needed a vehicle, they'd go buy them a car. And I don't mean a Cadillac or some big SUV. No, they'd just go buy them a simple car, just take care of each other and look out for each other and watch out for each other. They didn't live like fools. Fools can't do that. Fools waste their substance. It's gone. He said, although affliction cometh not forth of the dust, neither doth trouble spring out of the ground, yet man is born unto trouble. These things come upon all of us. Calamity comes upon all of us. Trouble comes upon all of us. Saved and unsaved alike. You deal with tra tragedy. You deal with, uh, with travailing. You deal with sorrow. You deal with hurts in this life. You deal with troubles in this life. Now, Asaph said, the rich are not troubled as other men are. Those that have riches, they're not troubled like other men. Why? They can buy their way out of situations. I recently read that article of the fellow there that won that huge Powerball, I think $890 million one-time payout. And after taxes and everything else, he's going to have over $500 million. And, 
And, you know, I think people sit there in their imaginations. They, what would I do if I had $500 million? I don't have a clue what I'd do. It's just not even occurred to me. Number one, I don't play the lottery. Number two, uh, that, that's beyond a comprehension. So he's doing what most people do when they get that kind of money. He's bought a $10 million house and a $5 million house, and he's bought about $4 million worth of cars, and he's just going to squander his money. Why? He squandered it playing the lottery, so he established a pattern when he was poor, and now he's going to squander it now that he's rich because that's the pattern that's established. He's born into trouble. The sparks fly upward. But then he said this in verse 8, I would seek unto God, and unto God would I commit my cause. So Job, if I'm in the place you are, I would seek unto God, and unto God commit my cause, which doeth great things and unsearchable, marvelous things without number. So he's telling Job here, why don't you seek out God at these things? Yeah, Job has searched out God. Job has sought the face of God. God. Job has brought his complaint unto the Lord. And he said unto God, would I commit my cause? Job has committed this cause to God. And God has seen Job, and God has seen the calamity of Job, and God knows exactly what Job is going through. That's why he wrongfully accused Job. He didn't know that thing, didn't speak of that thing with Job that was right. And he said, which doeth great things and unsearchable. You can't search out the things of God. Marvelous things without number. Who giveth rain upon the earth and sendeth waters upon the fields. To set on up on high those that be low, that those which mourn may be exalted to safety. And so again, we see a pattern. We see biblical precept, and it's not wrong precept. It's just, I don't believe it applies to Job there, but God does take the low and set them up. God does take the lofty and puts them down. God resisteth the proud, giveth grace, but but giveth grace unto the humble. That's the working of God. And God is going to exalt those that are abased. God is going to abase those that are exalted. That's the workings of God. And yet he speaks rightfully, but he doesn't speak rightfully concerning Job. He's judging Job unrighteously, judging Job unfairly according to his calamity, not according to his, his heart, not according to where he is with God, but according to that which has come upon him. What a dangerous place for any of us to be, to look at calamity come upon others and then judge what they're going through and realize that, hey, what they're going through is because of the judgment of God. When we don't know it's the judgment of God. Again, we all die. We're all going to the grave. And that dear brother I mentioned earlier in the podcast died of cancer. Is it judgment of God? Well, in a way it is because we're all of Adam. We're all going to die. And thus Jesus Christ returns, we're going to go to the grave. It's the reality of it. It doesn't mean that he's unrighteous. doesn't mean that we're unrighteous. So as we look at tomorrow's podcast, we're going to plug right on the back of this. Pray for us. Pray God will give us wisdom and these responses, especially from Job's friends. Hard things to understand. But yet God's going to reveal some things through the word of God to us. Tune in again tomorrow. There's a lost soul who's tired of the sinning, and he longs to return to the Lord, as he cries for forgiveness and mercy. God is waiting. You have been listening to the Daily Doctrine Podcast with Evangelist Tim McVeigh. For correspondence, please contact us through our website and someevangelist.com and use the contact form to connect with us. You may also subscribe to the podcast through our website or search for Daily Doctrine Evangelist Tim McVeigh on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, or Amazon. To write to us, please use our church address, which is Manasseh Community Baptist Church, 70 Back Hollow Road, Blaine, Pennsylvania. 
1-800-227-1706. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. Don't forget to subscribe and tune in tomorrow. And remember to look up for your redemption for night. Now the angels of God are rejoicing For the prodigal child has come home And the saints all with gladness are singing The glorious song of the redeemed